It is 11.30 at KRVN, which means it is time for Midday. Tyler Cavalli along with you. We'll hear from Susan Littlefield in just a second. Jason Jorgensen in sports. And, of course, Bob Brogan giving us a preview of the upcoming business report. Beautiful day out. Hopefully you're enjoying it. 60s in the Panhandle, 60s down in the Kansas region. Otherwise, mostly upper 40s and 50s. And those will continue, and we're just going to get warmer as the day goes. It is the 17th day of November. And, well, let's turn it over to Susan Littlefield. And, Susan, it sounds like it's going to be a jam-packed uh, Tuesday. It is. We kind of like it when it's that way. It keeps everybody on their toes, getting little reports here and there from two upcoming farm shows. And just want to remind folks about 3 o'clock this afternoon, mm-hmm. Central Time, we do have the Rural Radio Forum. And it's it's one of those, I think it's a tuck touchy subject in the sense that we're talking money we're talking finances we're talking loans but i think our listeners are going to really glean some great information um as they listen to our our guests later on this afternoon well i think it's important we chose this topic uh farm financing because of not only the the time of year we're in but because of covid and a lot of things people are going to think about heading into 2021 so i know you guys have done some interviews already but this is something that i think it's very timely Oh, very much so. It's going to be really good. It kind of leads into what happens at 1219 and 1245 with Alex talking livestock risk management. She's got some folks from the USDA in Washington to talk about some upcoming uh, things that are happening, some items our livestock producers need to know. Then I'll wrap everything up at 117. Uh, U.S. Meat Export Federation, as we all know, finished up their virtual meeting, which was different, but that's kind of the tone of everybody. We're going to talk some challenges as we move towards 2021 and their new chairman. All right, very good. Uh, Roll Radio Forum coming up today at 3 p.m., by the way. You and Scott will be hosting, correct? Yes, I'm looking forward to it. All right, very good. We will have that 3 p.m., of course, online at krvn.com, and we'll have a podcast as soon as it wraps up. Let's turn it over to sports and Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, the Nebraska men's basketball team continues to gear up for its season, although there's a couple of issues. One, they're not sure when they will play, and two, who they will play. Now, they have an idea, but we'll hear from head coach Fred Hoiberg about how their preseason preparations have gone on. Speaking of basketball, Greg Marshall, who, of course, had that great run at Wichita State. He led the Shockers deep into the NCAA tournament a couple of times, including a Final Four run. He's been forced out. He has stepped down as head coach, made allegations that he has mistreated players in the past. We will give you the lowdown on that. And a local high school coach is stepping down for family reasons. Cozad's Brian Cargill has been the head coach of the Haymakers the last eight years. He is stepping down as head coach at Cozad, although he'd still like to help out in the program, just not as head coach. We'll get his thoughts about that. All of that's coming up in sports on Midday. All right, thank you very much, Jason. Look forward to it. Let's turn over to Bob Brogan, and uh, what do we see so far in, in terms of stocks that they are they up down in the middle in between they are falling uh, giving back some of the big gains made this month that uh, pushed them back to record heights treasury yields also sank after a report on u.s retail sales was weaker than expected retail sales grew at a slower than expected three-tenths of a percent in october even as retailers offered early holiday discounts online and in stores. Walmart, though, turned out another stellar quarter as the world's largest retailer powers through a pandemic while others struggle. Details on these stories and more coming up uh, in our business report. All right, thank you very much. We look forward to all of that information. Let's turn over now to the one and only Clay Patton. 1144 KRBM, which means it's time for regional ag weather update and 
Well, the Gateway Farm Expo is going to have terrific weather as well. Really, all these ag shows are, as Paul Perkins has now joined me, and uh, you yourself in the flesh will be there. Yes, uh, at, at Thursday, for the late last day of the show, we'll, I'll be there doing the ag weather segment from there and mm-hmm. uh, meeting and greeting everybody from about 11 until 2, so stop on by and say hi. The Gateway Farm Expo, KRVM booth there. So you're saying, our <laughs> listeners, uh, if you have a Paul Perkins head shop, bring that, a pen, and uh, he will sign it. Of course, we'll have social distance. But he'll sign that, I'm sure, for you. Gladly, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. no selfies taken together, but yeah. Hey, and, there you go. And, of course, talk about the nice weather that we're bringing for the farm show. Really will be terrific <laughs> weather. Sometimes, you know, we've had... Uh, not windstorms. We've had uh, blizzards come through and different kind of things, but this year it's going to be nice. Exactly. I've seen some very warm, I think several years ago we had a very warm Midway or a Gateway Farm Expo, and it looks like that's going to be the case this time around, too. So very good. we'll take it. Today we're already seeing nice and warm temperatures, 60s in the western regions. Exactly. Hard to believe. Uh, still cemented upper 40s on it to northeast Nebraska, but yeah, as warm as 60 in the Nebraska Panhandle. A lot of Nebraska currently in the low to mid 50s, so those 40s from Ord on into the northeast part of Nebraska, but as you head into northern Kansas and northeast Colorado, those temperatures more so in the mid-50s to right around 60. Dry and mild weather will continue as the ridge of high pressure continues to build onto the plains. That means nice weather. That warmer trend today boosted by some uh, warm front tracking to the east and winds on the increase out of the south off developing low pressure over the lee side of the Rockies. Our temperatures today, 10 to 15 degrees above average, near record highs for tomorrow at just over 20 degrees warmer than usual. That high pressure ridge starts to flatten by Thursday. That will allow a cold front to push south during the day, but not before we see another nice afternoon on into Thursday. We'll see an increase in cloud cover by Friday. Low pressure across the Rockies begins to approach. That low over the Rockies will spread some precipitation across our area by Friday night into the weekend. Some pretty good chances of seeing some moisture Friday night into at least Saturday night. This is a Pacific storm system, though, so milder air working with it. More rain than snow is expected, so more rain than snow. A brief changeover to a mix of rain and snow, or maybe just some light so as possible during the morning hours of Saturday and Sunday. Little accumulation expected as any snow that does fall will be washed away by the chance of rain and temperatures in the 40s during the afternoon hours of each day. Precipitation totals expected to range right around a quarter to a half an inch, maybe some higher totals on to eastern areas of Nebraska and Kansas. In our long-term forecast, warmer than normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska, Kansas, and on into the central and eastern U.S. for Sunday through the last day of this month, especially from Thanksgiving through the 30th. So things looking good for traveling to Grandma's house for Thanksgiving. After this weekend, the outlook turns drier with below normal precipitation Sunday through the end of the month for Nebraska, Kansas, and the central U.S. Key weather factors in the markets include continued dry weather concerns in Brazil and Argentina and late-arriving moisture in wheat areas of South Russia. Here in the West late in the week, a developing storm of the nation's midsection will produce rain and snow from the plains on into the Midwest. Five-day precipitation totals in some areas could reach one to two inches from the central plains into the Great Lakes. Pockets of drought, though, continue to adversely affect winter wheat in some areas. A fifth to a third of the wheat rated very to poor, rated very poor to poor in Nebraska. Kansas, Colorado, and Texas. Brazil crop areas have a sharp difference in their rain forecast over the next week. Moderate to heavy rain expected in northern Brazil, but only light amounts for the central and south. Concern is high about a lack of soil moisture for development of soybeans. 
Argentina will see light rain the rest of this week. The dryness, a high concern in primary central crop areas of Argentina. That concern enhanced by a well-established La Nina. Wheat areas of the Black Sea, short to very short in their soil moisture. Snow is forecast for eastern Ukraine and south Russia the rest of the week. But Russian wheat likely to go into dormancy just ahead of that moisture starting to move in. You mentioned uh, snow and mostly rain this upcoming weekend. Are we going to see those that freezing rain like that we saw last week? Most likely, no. Uh, the ground's still pretty warm, and then the temperatures quickly will be warming on into the 40s during the afternoon. Maybe some slick spots early, early in the morning, but right now looking to be more mainly a rain event, and uh, the milder air going to keep us uh, more liquid than snowy, I guess you could say. So no ice storms of kind of what we saw last week, then? No, nothing like that, That we, yeah, like we saw into northeast Nebraska. Mm-hmm. We should be free of that. Okay, very good. And then meanwhile, we're just going to be nice and warm, spring-like <laughs> temperatures. Yeah, right through the middle of the week here, uh, maybe starting to go downhill a little bit on Friday, but it's still going to be average, warmer than average on Friday, but definitely through Thursday looking pretty good here. All right. Like it a lot. Uh, for more weather, where can you find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you very much. 2020 has been a difficult year for everyone, and now producers turn their attention to next year and what the carryover will be as they set their budgets. On our next Rural Radio Forum, we'll delve into farm financing during the COVID pandemic. To understand the obstacles and strategies for 2021, we'll hear from decision makers across Nebraska. Dustin O'Hanlon of O'Hanlon Seeds in Lexington, Jason Smith of FNM Bank in West Point, and Bruce Everly of Robo Bank. It's the Rural Radio Forum, November 17th, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain Time on KRB. Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Dr. Elliot Dennis is a professor in the Department of Ag Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and he recently shared his insight and research on livestock risk management with an emphasis on the Livestock Risk Protection Program. His research looks at the programs from 2003 to last year. So let's just talk about how the performance um, and the use of these products has changed nationally. So this gives a just kind of what the total liability has been over time uh, by the different commodities. Uh, What you'll notice is that dairy has been the primary user. This is for both LRP use and LGM use. Um, So really the people who have utilized these as um, as Mr. Northey uh, told us in the beginning has been dairy producers. We've seen some adoption in the cattle and almost all of that is in LRP uh, lamb um, is also heavily used as a proportion of production. And Dennis also analyzed the performance of the insurance tools. One way that we can look at uh, the performance of these insurance tools is use something we call loss ratio. Loss ratios are just the indemnities divided by the premiums. So when the indemnities, when that number is over one, basically it's paying out a lot more than people are paying in. When it's below one, then people are paying in more than it's paying out. Really where we want for a a valid tool is we want it to be pretty close to one as as best we can. That dotted red line is the loss ratio of one. What you can see here is that over time, most of these tools have varied quite a bit. When we're uh, particularly focusing on LRP, most of these tools have really kind of underperformed. Uh, Negative, these red numbers are when the loss ratios are below one. So that would mean producers are actually paying 
more premiums than they're actually getting in coverage. Um, this is, you know, pretty close to one to 0.86. So it has over time, uh, they've done modifications to make it so that that loss cost ratio is, is closer to one. We'll have to see how, uh, with the new changes that RMA has implemented, you know, how that's impact, it will impact the loss cost ratio moving forward. And Dennis also said that subsidy levels in the past couple of years have changed dramatically. They've put a lot of effort and time and, and thought to try to look at LRP. Uh, as Shannon mentioned, LRP works as an at the money or out of the money put. Um, and essentially what it does is you can subsidize or you can choose to cover a certain percentage of the price. This subsidy level used to be pretty consistent and as you've seen since 2018 and recently, these past two years, subsidy levels have increased dramatically. Um, so we're focusing on that just because there's a lot of activity there. And as Shannon mentioned, probably the biggest thing um, that should really help is that we have to pay that premium at the end of the endorsement period. Um, that allows us not to have a, a large check, right? You know, that day, call up our banker, get the check, um, after hours, and then put in the insurance product, um, allows for a lot more flexibility. That again is Elliot Dennis. He's a professor in the Department of Ag Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, with less than 10 days to go before their supposed season opener, the Nebraska men's basketball team still doesn't know for sure who they will play. Head coach Fred Horberg talks about how they're trying to approach things. We are just, uh, we're worried about ourselves right now. And going out there, we're adding new things to our system every day. We're going through different situations uh, every day to try to prepare uh, for whoever that opponent will be. Uh, like I said, I, we are confident that in the next 24 to 48 hours, we will know exactly what our non-conference schedule is. Now, it's been rumored that the Huskers will open up against McNeese State on November 25th. To this point, the Big Ten also has not announced a conference schedule. Big news out of Wichita. Shockers head coach Greg Marshall has resigned following an investigation into allegations of verbal and physical abuse. Marshall, who's long been known for his combustible sideline persona, came under scrutiny when former player Shaq Morris claimed he'd been struck twice by his coach during an October 2015 practice. Morris also claimed that he'd seen Marshall choke an assistant coach who soon departed to become an assistant at Minnesota. After eight years as head football coach at Cozad, Brian Cargill is stepping down as head coach of the Haymakers. In those eight years, Cozad made the C1 playoffs four times, and Cargill guided Cozad to the state title in his first year as head coach in 2013. He feels it's a good time to let someone else take over the program. Playoff run, you know, in that uh, eight years, you know, we had state championship, semifinals appearance. Uh, you know, and two other playoff appearances here, things going the right direction. But I also like my, in our youth program and our junior high coming up, I feel like we got some very good uh, depth and some talent coming and gives us an opportunity to be competitive at a high level and see one here over the next five to seven years. 
This past fall, Cozad went 6-4 and four and qualified for the postseason for the second straight year. Cargill hopes to remain as an assistant in the program, whatever capacity the school needs him to help out with. That is a look at sports. For more, you can check that out anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. The Nebraska State Education Association says teaching during the pandemic has Nebraska educators overwhelmed, worried about the students and their health and safety. Those were conclusions drawn from conversations with educators and results of a survey of educators conducted last month. NSEA President Jenny Benson says a survey indicated that nearly one in four teachers say they plan to leave the profession. More than 92% say a mask mandate is needed in all of the schools. Some were paragraphs, pages. Some were one word, and the word was help. But they were, lots of them were heartbreaking. Our members are used to going the extra miles. They really, truly care about students. Benson said teachers also said they do not have enough planning time, and because of a substitute teacher shortage, they are having to cover classes of colleagues who are quarantined or ill. She says educators need public and school district support now more than ever. Health officials continue to warn Americans as the number of COVID cases rises across the country. Fox's Eben Brown has the details. There were 166,000 new coronavirus cases reported yesterday across the U.S., a big spike from a day earlier, according to Johns Hopkins University. There's also a record number of patients hospitalized with COVID-19, more than 73,000, including more than 14,000 in ICUs, matching numbers last seen during April's surge in cases. The rise in detected infections is prompting certain cities and states to once again implement lockdowns, warning residents not to host large Thanksgiving dinners. Eben Brown, Fox News. States in the U.S. are renewing their push for more federal money to deal with the fallout from the coronavirus outbreak and to help them distribute a vaccine when one becomes widely available sometime in 2021. They're facing renewed restrictions on businesses, the end of unemployment benefits for those tossed out of work by the pandemic, and overloaded hospitals. Between now and June of 2022, state and local governments could be facing a shortfall of $400 billion or more by some estimates, but help is not expected anytime soon from a divided and lame duck Congress. State fire marshal investigators have ruled the cause of a fire early Saturday at a Bellevue residence as accidental, resulting from smoking materials. The victim has been identified as 40-year-old Brian Glowen. Investigators say he died at the scene. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. With the return of Nebraska football, that means Husker Chat with Sean Callahan, the publisher of HuskerOnline.com, is back. Join us each Thursday as we break down the Huskers' season with one of the true experts on Nebraska football. And it's all brought to you by Newcomb Diesel of Kearney. You can catch the show at 540 on Thursday afternoons on 880-KRVN or watch the show each week on the KRVN YouTube channel. That's Husker Chat, brought to you by Newcomb Diesel of Kearney, each Thursday at 540 from KRVN Sports. 
The Holcomb fire last year and COVID-19, among other things, has highlighted the risk management challenges for producers, as well as improved tools and some opportunities for livestock producers to manage their risk. I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio. This was a topic of discussion during a recent webinar featuring USDA Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs, Greg Ibaugh. As we uh, did an initial uh, dive into the situation, you know, we wanted to make sure that we looked at uh, price discovery, uh, and competition, and transparency to make sure that those tools uh, were active and those features were uh, available to producers. And so uh, one of the things that is important to note about the Packers and Stockyards Administration within USDA's um, Fair Trade Division is that we're actively on the job all the time, regardless of a crisis coming up. If producers see uh, developments within the marketplace that they think are anti-competitive or uh, not transparent or present unfair practices, where they're always encouraged to contact USDA and uh, we will look into uh, those uh, concerns you have and if any specific examples are always welcome for us to be able to follow up to conduct an investigation. And he also talked about finding ways that USDA could be proactive in addressing current concerns from producers. As we uh, developed our report and trying to find ways that USDA could be proactive in addressing uh, the concerns that came out of uh, the Holcomb fire and COVID, uh, there were three buckets that we identified. One was things that uh, USDA might could do. One, uh, the next bucket was actions that Congress might want to consider uh, to change the direction and the statutes to give USDA different authorities um, to be able to uh, um, maybe provide some greater relief at times of stress. And the third ones were things that the industry might want to consider. But within that bucket of what can the USDA do, some of the things we pointed to was uh, uh, producer education. And market news is one of the uh, stalwarts of the Ag Marketing Service. Uh, we produ- produce a number of reports each and every day that are available to livestock producers and especially beef and uh, beef producers that uh, we aren't sure that everybody's always aware of. We've also adapted those tools to be more easily available and for producers to be able to access that data and customize it to work for for them specifically. We also identified another opportunity in that some of our reports, their titles were ambiguous and some of them indicated that they may not be final reports. So we changed the name of some of our reports that we thought would help the market react to actual slaughter each and every day Uh, and uh, figure that into their reaction to different shifts in the marketplace or different current events in the marketplace. So we changed an estimated slaughter report into an actual slaughter report. We also, as a result of the Farm Bill, initiated uh, some cattle centers across the United States. One's at Colorado State, one's at West Texas A&M, and one's at Clay Center, uh, Nebraska that are able to provide some educational opportunities to producers 
and later this fall we'll be providing some of those educational opportunities. But most importantly, we thought that the report identified the need to make USDA's risk management tools that Bill Northey administers through his mission area to uh, make adjustments to those, to make them better understood by producers and help producers embrace them. Grain farmers embrace risk management tools provided by USDA each and every day, and our livestock producers don't do that at the same level. Bill Northey is USDA's Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation, and he discussed risk management from the producer's point of view. Um, we have several crop insurance tools, uh, cattle or crop two, I guess, and uh, these are crop insurance tools, uh, livestock gross margin, very lightly used, but designed to protect a margin, but much more heavily used has been the livestock risk protection program, uh, especially on the feeder cattle side. That's That's been its heaviest use. Both of those programs, uh, we're allowing greater size operators to be a part of those programs in the future. Uh, we're also increasing the subsidy with regular crop insurance um, uh, that a person buys for their corn or soybeans uh, or other crops out there. Typically, maybe half of the premium a producer needs to pay to be a part of it so that uh, uh, that it's a true insurance product is subsidized by the federal government. With both of these products, it's been much lower than that. And we're bumping the premium up much closer to that uh, for both LGM and LRP. Um, and then historically as well, um, and these products, sometimes you have to pay up front your premium um, before you have the cattle sold and before you know what's resulted. And that makes sense, I guess. It, sometimes we have to do that with regular insurance. But really, typically with crop insurance, we pay after the, the fact. Uh, we pay our our crop insurance premium for corn that's raised from May to October in October. Um, and we're changing that as well for 2021. Um, so that will be a little easier for folks to be able to come up with after hopefully you've had a profitable uh, feeder cattle crop or a profit profitable uh, crop coming out of the feed yard. Um, you're able to be able to afford that risk management tool whether it kicked in or not, you're certainly required to be able to make the premium payment uh, at that time, but it's a lot more flexibility for producers. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks have been falling in trading, giving back a bit of the big gains made this month that vaulted them back to record heights. Treasury yields also sank after a report on U.S. retail sales was weaker than expected. It underscores how the pandemic is continuing to worsen and threatening to drag the economy lower, at least in the near term. Stocks that stormed higher this month on hopes that a vaccine may get the global economy back to normal next year receded amid the worries. The S&P 500 was down nine-tenths percent on pace for its first drop in three days. U.S. industrial production rose 1.1 percent in October, recovering much of the spring decline caused by the virus. The Federal Reserve reporting today that industrial production rebounded after a downturn in September, 
but still remains below pre-pandemic levels. Retail sales in the U.S. grew at a slower-than-expected three-tenths percent in October, even as retailers offered early holiday discounts online and in stores. Analysts had expected the number to rise five-tenths of a percent. October's growth was much smaller than in September when it rose 1.6 percent. Walmart turned down another stellar quarter as the world's largest retailer powers through a pandemic while others struggle. The retailer delivered a 56% increase in its fiscal third quarter profits while revenue rose 5.3%. Sales at stores opened at least a year rose 6.4%, while online sales spiked nearly 80% after nearly doubling during the fiscal second quarter. Warren Buffett's company has trimmed its huge stake in Apple and added new investments in several drug makers while tweaking several other holdings in its stock portfolio. Berkshire Hathaway filed an update on its stock portfolio with regulators. On Monday, Berkshire revealed several new investments in pharmaceutical companies. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Bro. Last week, the U.S. Meat Export Federation held their strategic planning meeting like everybody else on a virtual experience. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Well, there's a new chairman of USMEF and says there'll be a lot of challenges in this upcoming year, but also some great opportunities when it comes to red meat exports. Pat Binger is a Cargill protein and delivered his incoming remarks to the organization back on Friday during the conference. He is a native of South Dakota and a veteran of the red meat export industry. I was born and raised on a family farm in northeast South Dakota. Today the farm is in its fifth generation. Following graduating from Northern State University in South Dakota in 1986, I joined Cargill's red meat subsidiary called the XL Corporation at that time, and I have now been with Cargill for the better part of the past 33 years. For 29 of those 33 years, I've been directly involved in the international export business and for the past 11 years leading the international business segment for Cargill's North American protein business, which is located in Wichita, Kansas. As we look at the upcoming year, he did say he's got some challenges, but it's uncertainty all being caused by COVID-19. It's likely to have a lot of noise in it with the the various issues that we're going to have in front of us. First and foremost would be COVID-19 and the many knowns and unknowns that we've got. It was good to hear early this week that there is a possible vaccine. We're going to need things like that in order to really stabilize these markets, both from a demand perspective and from a supply perspective. Some of those other challenges could also include the packing plant disruptions, addressing trade barriers and changes when it comes to policy here in the United States. But Binger also adds that despite these challenges that lie ahead, there is a lot of opportunity. All in all, I am very optimistic in our industry's ability to take on challenges and seize on the opportunities that lie ahead. I remain excited and highly encouraged about the future of our industry and the overall red meat global export opportunities that lie ahead. One of the keynote speakers was Sharon Bomer Lortzen, a trade policy consultant and former assistant U.S. trade representative, and said that the new administration in the White House, there will be a new approach when it comes to trade relations. 
Biden has stated his priority will be fixing domestic issues first, but that doesn't mean that the new administration at lower levels can't lay the groundwork to build constructive relationships and foundation for trade negotiation. Biden also hasn't rejected engaging on TPP, but has stated the U.S. would need to see changes to that. I think it's possible to move forward with a Japan negotiation, although automotive issues will be difficult and could have ramifications for agriculture. And as we've heard said by many folks before, agriculture will need to maintain a unified voice and speak up when it comes to priorities for the industry. We need to strengthen the bipartisan nature of American agriculture. Over the past 30 years of my career, I've seen it to a small degree falling apart. It has never been a more important time to maintain a strong and unified agriculture and agribusiness voice at the state level and in Washington, D.C. to balance the industrial voices. U.S. agriculture will need to continue to speak, defend, and advance its interests sure they are heard over the non-ag voices and to keep the rules of trade strong and enforced to ensure that American agricultural exports continue to thrive. The U.S. Meat Export Federation planning their next meeting in person that will take place in the spring in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. Let's check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And, John, an impressive close once again for the corn and for the soybeans. Wheat, though, having a little bit of lackluster, what it hasn't had in the Friday and Monday trade. So, overall, we're talking maybe even now negative carryout numbers in the soybeans. So, where do we see? Is it exports that move first? Is it crush demand that moves first? Who's going to call chicken here? Well... The way I, I think, you know, the soybeans picture is com- tremendously complicated because you have a South American crop that's large, but from what we've heard, it's very oversold. So think now we're in the middle of the summer, let's call it June, you know, and you're a producer and you've got beans in the field and they're drying up and the forecasts are warm. Uh, that's the other anomaly here that's coming in is, um, you know, we're getting into their, you know, mid midsummer season and, and it's going to be 100 degrees and you know, I'm not looking to bury the crop yet. I don't think that's that's uh, applicable. But if if South America, you know, Brazil grows 120 million metric tons, and their corn crops stay off 10 percent, and China's being projected to buy X amount next year of like double what they did this year, there just isn't going to be enough supply to go around on the corn market or the bean market, to to be honest. So you're getting the the front months are pricing in the near term supply. You know tightness, but those middle contracts, specifically like you know March, May, July, and September, um, specifically September here. Watch that. That might be a good indicator of what what what's being thought as far as price direction. Um, you know the fund spec, speculative funds have been involved in the market heavily here. Um, I know a record long, but they don't seem to be letting up. So you know we get huge volume last night on the beans, uh, pushing prices up basically the, the contract high in November. Uh, from from the previous period, and, and now we kind of find ourselves back back lower. But I expect us to test twelve here. As we move in as well, currencies are another one. Citigroup coming out this morning, being quoted by Bloomberg, is saying they expect the dollar to devalue nearly twenty percent in twenty twenty one. Where does that money want to go? Commodities. I mean, I, uh, commodities and developing currencies and bonds. You know, not to get too deep into finance here, but like it's going to be bailed out by all this this money. I mean. Some of the bond prices down in like Brazil, they're offering nine percent on a government note. Mexico seven percent on a government note. Money's going to chase that. 
Um, they're not going to the euro at negative rate. That's I don't believe that's going to happen. So when Citigroup says that, it's, my question is: All right, twenty percent against what? Is, you know, I don't think the index is going to move that much. I think it's going to be more in the developing currencies. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing, and Chicago Publisher. The newsletter this week in grain. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. But do remember, trading futures and options involve risk of loss. It may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of Midday. You can listen to the Midday Podcast, sponsored by Devenny Motors. That can be found at krvn.com or iTunes. 